0: Today's sermon is titled, Shepherd the Flock of God. Shepherd the Flock of God. At Peter's commissioning, Jesus asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus, the good shepherd in John 21, was coming after Peter. Because Peter was right back where it all started three years ago. On the shores of Galilee. Do you love me? Jesus asked him. This is where Jesus first called him to be a disciple, to follow him. To leave everything behind and to follow him. Do you love me, Peter? He was back with the same boat, with the same nets, that he originally left behind to follow Jesus Christ. But this time he was not filled with awe and wonder and excitement. He was in the deepest despair of his life. Peter was staring at the one who he denied. Peter was staring into the eyes of the one he denied three times. Jesus was asking him, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter must have been thinking in his mind and in his heart, I'm not cut out for ministry. I'm not cut out for ministry. I failed the Lord. I promised that I will never fail him, and I failed him. I couldn't handle the pressure of ministry. He'll never trust me again. Jesus asked him, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus knew that Peter needed some pastoral care. And before Jesus would ascend back into heaven, he, need, he knew he needed to restore his right-hand person. He, know, he knew he needed to look into the eyes of Peter and ask him the f- most fundamental question, Do you love me? This is where Jesus would commission Peter to be the apostle Peter to lead uh, uh, the group of men that will spread Christianity throughout the world. And he calls Peter to shepherd my sheep. He says, shepherd my sheep. Peter, you're not perfect. True, you you failed, but you're still my man. Shepherd my sheep. And today we're going to have an opportunity to commission Pastor Jeremy Young and, uh this is a Pastor Jeremy will serve as a young adults pastor and help coordinate discipleship here at Evergreen. We'll get a chance to commission Pastor Hugo Torres at a, in a few weeks. Pastor Hugo will serve as a local outreach uh, pastor, and but today we get to commission Pastor Jeremy Young. And before we commission him, with that, it'd be good to hear God's word and what it means to be a pastor. And what it means to be the flock of God. And and, and in essence, what our roles are. What is the role of the pastor or the under shepherd? And what is the role of the flock as it relates to the under shepherd? Peter is going to tell us about what it means to be a pastor. And what what the responsibilities of the flock are. So we'll be at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And his own commissioning is going to ring throughout these few verses that we're going to go through. And as you turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, Christianity has spread through the known world, through the Roman Empire. And Peter's been faithful to his commissioning to spread the gospel message. He and along with the other men and women to spread the gospel. And the Roman Empire was being filled with Christians. But providentially during his time, Nero was the emperor of Rome. This is about 30 years later after Peter's commissioning. And Nero was an evil man. He was an evil man who was built on his own pride. He was the opposite of what it means to be a good shepherd. He was the opposite of that. He wanted to rebuild Rome to greater glory, so for more fame and glory for himself. So he had his own city, the capital city of Rome, burned down. And as the Romans were struggling with losing everything, their home, their livelihood, their temples, their way of life, they were angry. To Nero f- found a convenient scapegoat. He blamed the Christians for burning down the city of Rome. So incredible animosity, incredible hostility rose up against the early Christians. The Christians are persecuted. They're marginalized as second-class citizens. Christians are arrested. Christians are murdered and killed, burned alive, fed to animals for sport and game. This was a difficult time in the life of the church. Incredibly difficult time in the life of the church. And the pastors of the local churches had their hands full. And Peter knew that they needed encouragement. So in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1 through 5, Peter gives the pastors encouragement and the flock instruction how to respond to their pastors. So let's rise as we read 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5 here. 1 Peter 5 1 through 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Verse 5. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourself with humility. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to to the humble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your pastoral care over Peter. Thank you for Peter's faithfulness. Thank you for his, the words that you conveyed through Peter out of 1 Peter chapter 5. I pray your spirit allows to see you more clearly through the preaching of your word, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat. In Peter's day, the the pastors needed encouragement. But today, pastors need encouragement as well. Many pastors in the U.S. have considered leaving the ministry. Many pastors. According to Barna's 2021 year review, January of 2021, a year ago, almost 30% of pastors in the United States considered leaving the ministry. 29% to be exact. And as we march down 2021, in October, almost 40% of pastors considered considered leaving full-time pastoral ministry. 38% to be exact. 40%. This Barna article goes on to say, the change that has been accelerated in the last 18 months, has left a lot of pastors with their heads spinning and their hearts spinning as well, says Joe Jensen, Barna's vice president of church engagement. All the chaos, all the pressure, all the magnifying glass of social social media, the pandemic, the politics, the hyper-digital context, it makes sense that you have a lot of pastors saying to themselves, is this really what I signed up for? Is this what I was called into? Question mark. And in Peter's day, the pastors would have been struggling. This is the challenge of a lifetime. The church is being persecuted at this rate. And Peter recognized that they needed encouragement. So 30 years ago, Jesus comes and commissions Peter, encourages Peter, builds up Peter, and sends him out to be an apostle. And the word, the words of the Lord, were still burning in Peter's heart thirty years later. And this is what he writes out of First Peter chapter five, and and this is where he encourages the pastors of the day. He says, "Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed." See, Peter comes alongside these pastors, and he could imagine how hard it was. He understood. I just I think to myself, if I was pastoring in Asia Minor during that time with that type of persecution going on, how would I have responded? How would I have responded? It's challenging enough in this context, but let alone in that type of context. How would I have responded? Undoubtedly, Peter in his pastoral care would have had enough foresight to understand, these pastors need encouragement. Pastors need pastors too. And there's uniquely gifted men to do this. And Peter said, I need to speak into the situation to encourage these pastors. But instead of coming to the elders and the pastors and overseers as the apostle Peter, you know what he does? He comes alongside and puts his arm around him. Look what he says. As your fellow elder, he comes alongside them as their fellow elder. He comes to them at their level. You see, Peter understood weakness and failure. There's a purpose for everything. Going back to that day when, or that night when Peter was standing by the fire in the courtyard of the high priest and when that slave girl came up to him, as Jesus was being questioned by the religious rulers, they questioned him, aren't you with him? And under the pressure of that moment, says, I don't know him. And another time, I don't know him. And others come and ask him, I don't know him. Right then and there, the rooster crowed, and Peter's heart must have been pricked as he remembered Jesus saying, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. What was perhaps the worst moment in Peter's life? Set it up for him to be the type of pastor that he would be to countless pastors in Asia Minor. Countless pastors for us today. Peter comes alongside these men and puts his arm around them and says, Listen, I understand failure. I understand what it means to be scared. I succumbed to the pressure. And I might see some of you guys doing the same things that I did. Peter was telling him, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. The pressures of the world coming down against you. But also understand the pressures that are happening internally within the church. It's not easy. And I know, brothers... Peter perhaps might have said, if they talked to them in person, that it's probably easier if you would leave the ministry. You don't have to deal with being the target of the world. You don't have to deal with sheep biting you. I do realize it would be easier for you to just simply go back to your old trade, your old way of life, where you could just focus in on yourselves. See, Peter was a true pastor. He was coming alongside these men who needed encouragement. They didn't need that type of encouragement to, uh, to, with authority. They needed an encouragement that comes alongside at their level. And Peter was coming there. Peter was humbly coming alongside his fellow elders. And he encourages them with this. He witnessed the sufferings of Christ. That means that Jesus Christ is his brothers. Jesus Christ, our Lord, suffered. If you're suffering, our Lord suffered more than you're suffering. He understands your suffering as well. I saw Jesus being betrayed. I saw Jesus being arrested. I saw Jesus being accused. I personally abandoned Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross. Jesus suffered. Jesus understands your pain. He is the good shepherd that we follow. And he says this also, that he's a fellow partaker also of the glory that is to be, that, that is to be revealed. He goes, men, I am a fellow sinner saved by grace. I'm just like you. I don't deserve this. You don't deserve this, but we get to do this. What a privilege. It's going to be worth it, brothers. Hang in there. I understand your suffering. Jesus Christ understands your suffering. But by the way, it's going to be worth it when he comes back again. Be faithful, brothers. So Peter comes alongside them humbly, lovingly, with full of compassion, But he doesn't hold back as he reminds them of their role as shepherds. So the first point is this. The role of the under-shepherd is to feed and lead. The role of the under-shepherds, under-shepherds of Christ, is to feed and to lead. Let's look at verse 2 here. uh, 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, shepherd a flock of God among you. Shepherd a flock of God among you. Poimano, poimano. This is the word for shepherd or to, to where we get the word pastor, shepherd and pastor. And as I grew up in Southern California, the concept of shepherding is is not a familiar concept, right? We understand freeways. We understand rush hour. We understand other things. But we didn't, shepherding is not a normal thing. We don't see shepherds just walking through our neighborhoods. And so looking back... Into the scriptures, I I had an opportunity to do a a funeral this week and a privilege to serve in that way. Psalm 23, the uh, 23rd Psalm, as Pastor Kenya read, is a common psalm. And I want us to turn there and, and see what the Lord says about himself and how he shepherds his people. And this is exactly what Peter did. Peter looked at the Lord's example and did exactly the same thing that the Lord did. The 23rd Psalm says this, The Lord is my shepherd. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. How does the Lord shepherd his people? How are we to shepherd as pastors of Evergreen Church? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse 2 of the 23rd Psalm talks about feeding. Feeding. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. The pastor, the shepherd, his primary function is to feed the sheep, to feed the flock. Going back to Israel in 2018 was very helpful. As we've toured around in our tour buses in northern Israel, around Galilee, we're in similar in the area, uh, close to the area where J- Jesus himself restored Peter. Sometimes you see shepherds walking around the streets. And over, over there on the fields. And I got to see a shepherd walking with his sheep or goats. I couldn't even tell what they were. They're skinny. And, and the the climate of Israel is similar to Southern California. If we were to fly over Israel, there would be a lot of yellow or brown spots and then some green spots. So the shepherd would need to navigate the, the, the his flock from dry grounds to green areas and have the sheep lie down in green pastures. And the reason why he would have them lie down in green pastures is just feed them. But these sheep or goats, whatever they were, were skinny. These guys are skinny. I was expecting a lot more plump animals. And I know the shepherd in Israel was working hard to find food for his flock. And this is exactly the role of the pastors, to feed the flock of God. John Stott, theologian John Stott, talks about, Today, there are too many pastors not feeding their flocks. He coins a term in, or a phrase saying, Today we see sermonettes for Christianettes. Short teachings, watered-down teachings, teachings, teachings that are easy to digest, which are producing malnourished Christians and skinny Christians. And many professing Christians are in this condition. We do not understand the scriptures well enough. And John Stott would be exhorting us today to give fuller sermons, fuller teachings, to go deeper into the word, to provide more opportunities for learning the scriptures, the word of God. You see, the shepherds want to go to grassy fields to feed the sheep. Pastors simply open up the field of the Word of God, and we feed the sheep the Word of God. Pastors aren't here to give answers on politics. Pastors aren't here to give our own opinion or to the world's wisdom or the knowledge of the Word. Pastors are here to dispense the Word of God, to feed the sheep God's Word. So teaching God's Word is a primary function of the pastor. John 21 15 through 17. Jesus commissions Peter. What does he say? Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I do. Shepherd my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, I do. Well, then feed my sheep. Two out of the three times our Lord tells Peter to feed his sheep, his lambs. This is clearly the fundamental role of the pastors to feed the sheep of God, the flock of God. And in, in the qualifications of an elder or a pastor, which are written down in two places, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And the only skill that that is required for pastors is to be able to teach. Most of the time it's talking about the qualifications, the character of the man. He's above reproach. He loves his family and leads his family well. But he must be able to teach. This is the primary function of the pastor. Second Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 4.2, two, much-known verse that we, know, we all know says, Preach the Word of God. Preach the Word. Right? Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.5 says, Be diligent to show yourself approved as a workman who rightly divides the Word of God. So pastors are called to teach and preach the Word. But in order to do that properly, we need to spend time studying the Word of God. And I guess this is an exhortation to our pastors who are here, but also an education to the flock to understand what to demand from their pastors. Right? And I know if I heard this message and I've heard these types of message sitting in pastor's conferences, I get fired up like, okay, Lord, this is what I'm called to do. I want to do this well. I know our pastors are getting exhorted and fired up as well. Because this is why we got into the ministry. Because we love the Word. We love studying it. We love teaching it. We just sat in our uh, teacher's meeting here led by Pastor Terry and we talked about this is what we love to do. We gave a testimony how our teaching the ministries began and kind of how it evolved over time but church family you need to know what the role of the pastor is so that you could pray for us so you could demand these things so you could encourage us to be faithful to this calling there is a certain level of administration that the pastors particularly uh, paid pastors like myself are called to do but that is not the primary function the primary function is to feed the sheep. We want sheep here that are fit and full and healthy because they're well-fed and well-nourished. This is what we desire to do. This is why you can feel massive emphasis on God's Word here at Evergreen Church, whether it's from the pulpit, whether it's Scripture reading, whether it's ACE and other opportunities to be fed the Word of God. This is where this is where what the Lord has called us to do. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me besides quiet waters. Now, I'm going to, the other portion of the role of the pastor or the under shepherd is to lead, feed, and lead. Let's look at verse 3 of Psalm 23. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. He restores my soul. Similar to what Peter has done to the pastors in Asia Minor two thousand years ago, similar to how he's ministering to us pastors today. Peter, pastors are called to care for the flock. In Israel, there are, it's at some part, places are more rural than Southern California, as, as you could imagine. Some, the elements can be dangerous. After a heavy rain, the, the waters could rise up. And if the sheep are too close to the water, can be swept away and be drowned and killed. There are cliffs in Israel where the sheep, if they're trying to get that nice, lush part of grass that's too close to the edge, they could fall and die. There are poisonous plants where the sheep are come, are grazing where the shepherd must identify these things and keep the sheep away from them. There are predators, wolves, and other types of animals that can attack the animals and kill them and eat them as prey. Pastors need to be able to provide care. Sheep can be injured as well. Pastors, shepherds must be able to mend the the wounds of the sheep. If sheep get sick by eating some poisonous mushrooms, the shepherd must be able to carry them home to nurse them back to health. Some sheep are very helpless. Sheep can also, some sheep, if they fall on their backs, could suffocate to death because they don't have enough power to get back on their feet and the weight of their bodies could cause them to suffocate. It's a very menial task the shepherds are involved in. The real life shepherds need to be watching the sheep, constantly caring for them. And we understand as as, as. People in the church, sin and suffering is a part of life. We understand this. Charles Spurgeon preached, he restores my soul, speaking on Psalm 23. When the soul grows sorrowful, he revives it. When it is sinful, he sanctifies it. When it is weak, he strengthens it. This is what the Lord does for all of us. And this is what the pastors or under shepherds of the Great Shepherd are called to do, to provide care. Provide comfort. You, you felt Pastor Kenny before I came up, providing encouragement, anticipating what might be on your mind, on your thoughts. He's providing encouragement and care on a corporate level. We also do it on private level as well. This is what Pastors are called to do. Pastors are called to pray for those who are sick, pray for those who are depressed, pray for those who are discouraged. Similar to what Peter does for the pastors in 1 Peter chapter 5. Pastors are called to give counsel, biblical counsel, to help people with decisions. Right? This is what pastors are called to do. Psalm 23 3 goes on to say, He guides me in the paths of righteousness. You see, as sheep oftentimes walk in bunches, but kind of in a straight line. The flock that I saw, this shepherd was leading and guiding his sheep or goats, whatever they were, and they're together, and they're following one another. And, but once in a while, sheep could get off the path, and the shepherd needs to bring them back. They wander, and sheep have a tendency to do that at times. And the more, the closer that you are to the flock, meaning you're in the middle, you're going to be with the pack the whole time. But sometimes sheep kind of get onto their perimeter. And that's where sheep, oftentimes without good fellowship of other sheep, could wander some. And so the shepherd, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, in Psalm 23 says, He guides me in the paths of righteousness. So as pastors who follow the great shepherd, we're called to pay attention to the sheep. We're called to watch the sheep, watch the pattern of the sheep. How do the sheep talk? How do the sheep act? How do they act when they're serving in certain instances come up? How do they respond humbly, graciously? What are sheep doing? What are they watching? What are they listening to? As parents, we understand this is what you do for your children, right? What are they watching on their phones and their iPads? What kind of programming are you allowing to come into the television, so forth and so on? I mean, we do this. What kind of friends are they hanging out with at school? This is what good parents do. This is what shepherds do. But Isaiah 53, 6 says, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. And the Lord, in Matthew 18, prescribes a method of restoring sheep. Many Matthew 18, this is uh, Jesus' first instructions to the church. Matthew 18 talks about church, what we call church restoration. All right? Many people call it church discipline. Let me just read it for us. Matthew 18, 15. If you see sheep, fellow sheep straying, this is what we're called to do. If your brother sins, going off the righteous path, go and show him his fault in private. Sheep help other sheep. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. He repents, praise God, he gets brought back into the fold. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, take other sheep with you, maybe other leaders, pastors with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Take more. Take more reinforcements. If one sheep is not enough to restore string sheep, bring more sheep, bring others with you. If he refuses to listen to them, then tell it to the church. This is where the elders, this is where the pastors step in and exercise church discipline or church restoration. And if he listens to, if he refuses to listen even to the whole church, the whole flock, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. See, what the Lord is saying here is this, to provide soul care, because the worst thing that could happen to a sheep is, is, is they wander and they wander and wander. They, they see how close can I get to the edge? And then he, he or she falls off the spiritual cliff and dies. That's the worst thing that could happen. Because this may sound harsh, like, wow, tell the sins of somebody to the whole church. Who does that? A loving shepherd does that. The loving shepherd says, we love you so much. Go to them privately. Go to them privately with more and then tell it to their church because we're basically bringing the full force of the church to keep people from walking off the spiritual cliff. This is loving. This is called church restoration. And in 1 Peter 5, I'm going to jump back to 1 Peter 5. It says this, shepherd a flock of God among you. Among you. This is an important thing for us to point out. Among you. What is that talking about? That's talking about church membership. This is like those who have agreed upon this sort of care, this sort of soul care. And if you consider evergreen in your home and you haven't officially become a member, I'd exhort you become a member. If you're visiting, we're gr- that's great that you're here. But in order to receive the full care of the church, you need to become a member. And because. You need to agree to this type of soul care. This is what we're talking about. It says this, that members in our membership covenant that we have at Evergreen Church says that that they are committed, members are committed to church leadership and they accept biblical church Discipline. You see, it'd be unfair for the leadership to exercise this sort of a care if you never agree to this sort of a care. So church membership, what it does is it defines the relationship between the shepherds and the sheep. To say, I want this care. I want for you to watch over my soul this carefully where you will not allow me to walk off that spiritual cliff. See, this is the commitment from the the church to church members i'll read some more of our church covenant here it's talking about soul care it says we will love you through prayer fellowship and a commitment to the study to study the word of god together this is right out of our church covenant for members we will rejoice when you rejoice mourn when you when you mourn we will shepherd you pray for you provide vision pastoral care and counseling Biblical admonishment and correction. We will equip you by preaching and teaching God's word, faithfully by modeling Christ-likeness, and by providing opportunities for training and service. This is what the commitment of the church is to our members. And as First Peter goes on to say, how we do it is just as important of what we do. It says... In verse two, exercising oversight not under compulsion but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sort of gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. You see, shepherds who take on this role should not have to be coaxed into come, uh, serving as pastors or lay elders. like please serve as a lay elder. you're so gifted, you're so loving, you'd be great. That's not how it works. First Timothy 3 says if an, if someone aspires to be an elder, this is a good desire he has. And this word aspires and desires is very critical because this word desires means the inner desire that God has placed in your word. You want to care for people so badly that you're reaching out, you're aspiring to do this. And we've been, we've been praying for elders, lay elders, for our church so that more and more care could be spread out to the church. But you know you're not called yet if you're saying, well, I'm kind of busy. I'm not so sure I want to do this. You're probably not called then to serve in that capacity. And elders humbly, I'll say, humbly chomping at the bit like, I want to care for the church. I want to serve in this capacity. Humbly. Humbly this desire that God's putting in them. But the, how we do this is critical. It's not lording it over. I mean, it's not domineering. This is not the Gentiles act. That's what Jesus says in Matthew, t- uh, Mark 10. We're called to humbly care for the people, living as examples, exemplary leaders, exe- providing examples that are worth following, worth imitating. This is what the pastors are called to do. Hebrews thirteen seven says this, that it says, remember, remember those who led you, leadership, who spoke the word of God to you, feeding, teaching, feeding, leading, feeding. There it is again, Hebrews 13. And consider the result of their conduct. Imitate their faith. This is what the shepherds are called to do, to feed and lead the flock of God in an exemplary manner humbly loving just like the great shepherd just like how Peter copied him and then in verse 4 of Peter 5 it says and when the chief shepherd appears this is a sobering thought for pastors and any future lay elders and when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory remember this is the flock of God this is not my flock this is not another pastor's flock this is God's flock those of us who are in Christ, you belong to Christ. Bible says he purchased you with his own blood. We sang it earlier. And in James 3.1, how people who feed the word will be judged. Let not many of you become teachers because you incur a stricter judgment. God will judge teachers of God's word much more stricter than regular sheep. Do you want this? Right? So church family, I I, I say all these things because Peter talks about this in verse 4 of of chapter 5. This is a sobering calling, guys. This is a sobering calling. And and understand that there are massive challenges to serving this glorious role that God's called some of us to do. Coach Carroll, my old coach, when I was a graduate assistant, um, you know, we, 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 we began to talk early on in our relationship, and uh, he was great. He used to give me insight into the future. He was an older man. He's been in coaching and leadership much longer than I was, obviously. And uh, he would say to me at times, you know, you don't understand until you've done it. You do not understand until you have done it. And what he was talking about is carrying the weight of leadership. He goes. It's one thing to be a graduate assistant; you feel certain responsibilities. It's another thing to be a full-time assistant coach. It's another thing to be a coordinator or in charge of a whole defense or whole offense or special teams. But then again, it's another thing to be a head coach over the entire program. He goes. You don't understand until you've done it. And we were blessed because I would say this is just a rough estimate. Ninety-nine percent of the team—they're great. They're submitted. They're respectful. They did what we asked. They believed in what we're doing. They're great. It was a joy. 99%, probably more, 99.5%. But the other percent required and consumed the most amount of mind time. There's a few that made it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more challenging. And what's challenging for a leader is this. Besides uh, the leadership responsibility and and, and the weight of all that, what can be discouraging for a leader is this, when those who you're entrusted to lead are not properly submitted. That's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. And can you relate with me, brothers and sisters? Um, If you're a husband, can you relate with me? If you're a parent, can you relate with me? At work, those who you supervise, your manager, your leader and they don't quite come alongside your leadership, can you relate with me? If you're a coach on any team, having other assistants or other players who aren't properly submitted, that could be challenging. That is challenging. I know that one. So people that you serve can either give life or take life for leaders, right? It could be encouraging or discouraging. So Peter, in his next verse here, turns to the role of the flock now. And in verse 5 of Peter chapter 5, he says, You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders. So the second and final point is the role of the flock is this, to support and submit. The role of the flock is to support and submit. And we're talking about humble submission. Why does Peter call out the younger men here? Why does he say, you younger men? My guess is that, and, and some other commentators will agree, that oftentimes younger men could be headstrong, could be arrogant, without having an opportunity to have led anybody could have the answers already. Right? That could be. That's That's been my experience for myself and also for others that I've led. But he doesn't just, sub, uh, just single out the young men, but he also says, Likewise, be subject to your elders, all of you. All of you. Hupotasso, be subject. That's the original word. And hupotasso means to come under the elders. Come under the pastors. Support the pastors. Obey your pastors. Submit to them. Support them. But there is a limit to that as well, right, church family? If the pastors are encouraging us to sin against God, obviously we obey the chief shepherd, not some under-shepherd. But given that the pastors are ministering the word, obeying the word, and min- and following the word, the flock is called to submit, support and submit. Let me uh, also say this. I'm going to turn to Hebrews thirteen seventeen. 17. Um, this is another helpful verse here. As we cross-reference, it's helpful to cross-reference, isn't it? To get a fuller understanding. Hebrews 13 says this, Obey your leaders, leadership, there it is again, and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. Right? Soul care. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this will be unprofitable for you. Unprofitable for you. You see that? This is what God is calling us to do, to obey and submit and encourage your pastors and your leaders. And this is where it's a mutual submission to one another, just like a marriage. Husbands are called to lead. Wives are called to respect. And it's a mutual, humble submission to one another, to care for one another. And I just want to just give you a conversation I had with not one of our younger people of our church, but our oldest member of our church. Itsuko Teragawa, Sister Itsuko, Sister Itsuko. Some of us, I'm so proud of our church, have come alongside her to care for her. She, she, she said this to me back when she, she and Henry, her husband, her late husband, who's with the Lord now, lived in Chicago at one time. And said, she said, Dr. Mayberry, this is what she said, Dr. Mayberry said this, the pastors do not rise above the prayers of the people. She remembered that from all these years ago. Dr. Mayberry said, the pastors do not rise above the prayers of the people. Do you want to be an encouragement to your pastors? Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. So true. Because let me remind you also, that the covenant or membership covenant that we have, it says this, finally, this is the voice of the membership, I commit myself to submitting to the leadership, and vision of the church family. Promoting church unity. This is the commitment of the membership. Accepting biblical church discipline. All right? You accept that. This is what you want. I welcome this. I want this type of soul care. Praying for the church leadership and vision. Praying for the church. Isn't that amazing? It's just a relationship. And really what it comes down to is humble Submission to one another. Mutual, humble submission. Peter humbly exhorts the pastors. Peter says to the the pastors, humbly lead the sheep. And then he also says to the the young men and to the other people, clothe yourselves with humility. Right? Humility. And if you want to be on God's side, be humble. Pray for humility. It says God is opposed to the the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble pray for humility this is a distinguishing mark of a mature believer humility Christ likeness and let me give you a definition of humility before we end this sermon humility my friend Sherman Smith has coined it not thinking less of yourself humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less let me say it out again not thinking less of yourself but Yourselves, but thinking of yourselves less. Being outward focused, thinking about other people more. Isn't this amazing? This is this is clear out of the scriptures what the role of the shepherd is and the, what the role of the flock is. And I want to just finish off here back to Peter and why he was so changed. Do you love me? Right? He asked him. And Peter was restored with this one question. And perhaps right now, you may be thinking that too like, God can't use me. You don't, Pastor, you don't know what I'm like at home. You don't know what I think about. You don't know what I've done. Well, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Do you love Christ? As you're sitting here this morning, do you love Christ? And if you could genuinely say, yes, I do, pastor. Well, isn't that good news? That's what it comes down to. This is why we come together to remind each other of the good shepherd. Whether it's the role of the pastor or role of the flock, it's to remind each other of our love for Christ and how much Christ loves us. Let me remind you what the good shepherd says. He says, I am the good shepherd. I laid down my life for my sheep. And I lay it down on my own, own accord. The Good Shepherd says this, I know my own and my own know me. The Good Shepherd says this, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. Let's follow Jesus. The Good Shepherd says this, no one can snatch them out of my hands. No one. And the Father who is greater than me holds you as well. This is what Peter did. Peter realized this and said, it's not about me. It's about the good shepherd. Amen? And at the end of the day, let's surrender our lives to him and entrust them into his arm. And this is a great opportunity for us to remind ourselves our different roles in the church, but ultimately this is not about us. It's about the flock of God. It's about God. And pastors are sheep as well. We're part of the we're part of the flock as well, and some of us have been given unique roles to serve in this way. Amen. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for this time to uh, look to you, the Good Shepherd. Thank you, Yahweh, that you are our shepherd. Now we shall not want. Thank you that you lead us beside quiet waters and you have us lay down in green pastures. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you guide us into paths righteousness. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you restore our souls through your death and your resurrection. Father, I pray for this flock here at Evergreen Church. Thank you for loving our church family. And no matter what this year has for us, Lord, I pray our eyes will be fixed on you, the good shepherd. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to raise up more and more shepherds in our church. I pray that you will raise up more and more elders to care for the church family, your church family. And Father, I pray that we will grow in relationship with one another as we grow in more in love with you, the Good Shepherd, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we will continue to resemble you, the Good Shepherd, Lord. And we will come alongside one another humbly, lovingly, caring for one another. And so I just thank you, Father, for this time to preach your word. So, Lord, I pray that you will continue to grow our love for you and for one another. Thank you, Lord.